Welcome to Camp Hike Live, the podcast devoted to helping you learn, enjoy, and explore the great outdoors. Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode on Camp Hike Live. My name is Nathan Harrington, and I am joined, as always, by the delightful Christopher Hiller. Christopher, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Nate. I'm so happy today because we're talking about what I consider the fingernails on the chalkboard piece <laughs> of our outdoor world, and that's blisters. Mm-hmm. And oh, you can't oh, avoid them. I just cringe saying the word blisters. <laughs> So before we get right into it, Nate, what's up with you? Do we have some new things going on in your world? We do, and it's a sad. I mean, I feel like we should be playing a, a very sad song, like a or maybe a trumpet. It's like because I've had a very awful thing happen to me. The other just going to say that was an excellent trumpet mimic. Oh, thank uh, you. you yeah, did, it was. It, it was. That was by my yeah. mouth. I did that on my. I know it was. It was great. I've been practicing a lot. <laughs> so, anyways, as I've talked a couple times before, I brew beer and I just brewed a, a bunch of batches of beer and I've been excited as they as they ferment and they age and I get them into kegs and I get a chance to to put them in my my kegerator fridge. It's got three taps on the front of it and I get to enjoy these beers that have been you know a, a few months. Into the making, and it's just a—it's a really glorious time. And uh, I, I put some of the beers on on tap in my kegerator. But since this last brewing session, I wanted to take which this kegerator is this old Hot Point refrigerator. I don't know if you're familiar with the brand Hot Point. It's just like, a, but the old ones—it's got the big lever on the front that goes clunk clunk as you open it up, and I just like it for the nostalgia of it. But uh, it was really gross. I mean, super, super gross. Uh, I hadn't brewed beer in like a year, and it's like got mold growing on the inside. It was really bad. So I cleaned everything out, took all the taps out of it. With bleach, I oh, hope. Oh, much, much, many, much bleach. But I cleaned everything out, and I took it outside, and I've been working for this painting company. So I had access to all these really nice paints, and I painted the fridge all up pretty, and I took it back inside after it was all clean. I put all of the... The parts back together, I individually took the taps apart and cleaned it out with this this solvent for, you know, cleaning out the, the brewing taps. You got everything put back together, put the kegs in there. Just like, uh, it's like I, I closed the door and I wanted to kiss the door and walk away because I was like, these are going to be so delicious. And about three hours later, I happened to walk back out into the brewery to the smell of hops. And that's not what I want. I mean, you want to smell that when you're brewing, but not when you're not brewing because somewhere when I had put everything back together and was checking for leaks, I had missed a very small leak at the output of one of my kegs. So it had started to leak down into the refrigerator and there's a drain at the bottom and then down into the drain and then down the drain went over half a keg of beer. Oh, I was devastated. It's like, I can't even, anyways, let's just cut it right there before I get too teary-eyed. I do still have some of it. It was an IPA, session IPA, and it is delightful and half gone. There's my story. Well, since we're on sad <laughs> topics, we might as well get into the sad topic of the week, and, and that is blisters. <laughs> right. That's oh. the perfect segue into it. <laughs> That is the nastiest thing you can get on the trail. It is the one of I would think probably one of the quickest ways 
to end a good, you know, a hiking trip or a good day camping or something is to develop a big nasty blister that just hurts every single step. Even if you're not a person who whines, blisters make you whine and just, oh, it hurts. It hurts. It's just a little spot, but it's just so, so painful. It doesn't matter how big. See, the thing is, is for me, I feel like I have a decent pain tolerance, but I don't like blisters and they will make me whine. My wife, bless her heart, I don't know how she does it, but I've seen some of, on our through hike, we hiked 2,200 miles and she got lots of blisters along the way and she just powered through it. You never heard a peep out of her when it came to blisters. And then she would take her socks off at night and her feet would be all blistered and bleeding. And I'm going, how are you even walking? And she says, well, well, you know, that hurts for about the first five minutes. And then they go, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully by the end of this podcast, people will understand ways to maybe avoid some blisters, maybe Mm. understand some ways to uh, have them not be such an issue in your world. Yeah, absolutely. And that is my way of doing it. On our hike, I was fortunate enough to have enough practice, practice being the key term, to figure out a system that worked for me that kept me blister-free on the entire through-hike. I never had to deal with blisters because I spent a lot of time figuring out a way for me not to get them. And I think there is a way for everybody being that everybody's different, bodies are different, you know, you can figure out a way that can keep you from from getting blisters. And hopefully we can get to that today. I've got a lot of pointers that I can go over. But first, let's throw it your way. Chris, is there something that you like to do that maybe prepares yourself for a a big hike or an outing that would keep you from getting a blister? First of all, I'm going to put this disclaimer out there. I am not a nurse. (laughs) I am not a medical professional. Anything that I may say, do not take as golden science to come back at me later. This is something that I like to do for my body and uh, do what you need to do. No, you should follow it 100%. Chris is always right. And if you don't, you're going to get blisters. No, no, just joking. Just joking. (laughs) No, so for me, the big thing I like to do is preventative maintenance. For example, I like to use a lot of talcum powder. I I was a runner for a long time. I like to run. So I use the body glide stuff and I Mm -hmm. put it on the spot where I may get some hot spots. But for me, that's the first step to avoiding blisters is preventative maintenance as as much as possible. Like, I'll be honest, it's really kind of grotesque how much talcum powder I dump into my socks and and in and, and the places that may stick together. Yes. And I'm going to throw some, a couple points right into there too. Uh, the talcum powder also, a lot of people use like gold bond or even baby powder. Here's a quick hot tip, ching hot tip. And that is when your feet are potentially going to be wet, it's always better to use like a body glide or a greasy kind of application. This is going to allow your feet, even when they're wet, to to slide and not uh, rub on your shoes to, to create a blister. But if your feet are tending to be dry, then you want to go with like the talcum powder side of it as, as a barrier for the blister. So it depends on your situation. Uh, I've noticed that if you try to use like a powder and your feet are wet, the powder turns to a paste and almost can be counterproductive in, in making your, your feet get kind of stuck sticky and then now you're starting to rub and and get blisters but there you go throwing that out there and with that and the preventative i I go i go that extra mile and i make the extra choice of socks like i am very particular with the socks i'm wearing i tend to like darn tough socks uh they're made here in america they're they're i sell them in my store there's a lot of socks out there like them those are just the brand that i tend to rise to the top that i personally hike with Mm -hmm. uh and they're designed for hiking so they air out the right way and so 
preventative maintenance for me is is the powders and, and the preventative maintenance there and picking out the right socks. Right, and that's huge. I, I have at least four or five exclamation points after socks. I mean, that's how important they are for me. Darn Tufts, I actually don't wear Darn Tufts. I did a review of them on my YouTube channel. They are fantastic socks. I have weird feet, which I'll get into in a little bit. But yes, Darn Tufts, and, and the greatest thing about Darn Tufts would be not only are they great socks, but they're also lifetime warranty, if I'm correct. Yeah, lifetime. Talk about how can it be better than these socks that work really well, and then after you wear them for years and years and years, you just, and I don't think you have to send them into the company or anything. It's interesting. You can actually just return them to any place that sells the socks and they'll exchange them. So it's really, really cool. Yeah, they have a pretty good relationship with their vendors that uh, if somebody brings in a sock and it, it has a hole in it for, for wear or however, you'd go ahead, just give them another another pair of socks and uh, they'll they'll make it right with the retailer. So they're, they're really, really yeah. good that way. And they could be really stinky and they'll still exchange them. Stink factor doesn't doesn't even matter. So yeah, for me here, let's let's get into how I'm a bit weird, and that is on the sock factor because one of the crucial things if you're trying to keep your feet from getting blisters is to try to keep your feet dry. Uh, the drier you can keep your feet, the less your feet are going to slide against your socks or your shoes, creating friction that's going to create the hot spots, create the blisters. And one way that I keep my feet dry is I wear as thin and as light a socks as I can possibly find. My feet are strange. My feet will sweat the moment I put them into any kind of even lightweight or midweight hiker socks. My feet will sweat. And as soon as my feet sweat, I'm opening myself up to having that that blister your feet if you ever notice being in like the tub for longer your skin changes when it gets wet and it becomes very soft and that's where you can really develop the blisters i wear a uh, like a dress sock like a synthetic dress sock and that's all i wear um, I love to be able to wear a more comfortable sock, but because my feet sweat, I'll get blisters. This is the way that I kept from getting blisters on the trail was by wearing a very light sock and a sock that dries out very, very fast. So the outdoorsman in me, the one that does a little bit of hunting and a little bit of uh, uh, traipsing through the woods, we'll say, does a very similar thing. I use a boot liner mm -hmm. on the inside of and then I wear my darn tufts over that, but I wear a boot liner and that helps get rid of some of that friction in between the two socks. So if there is friction, it, it's with the line on the liner and not on your skin. So that that's one of the methods that I use, which is very similar to your hiking. Yeah, and it's, it's a great way to do it. I found that that didn't work for me. Like I said, I got a little bit of weird feet, but a lot of people really like that combination of a liner sock. Liner socks made out of like a synthetic, which will actually wick and pull the moisture away from your feet. And it'll pull the moisture onto your darn tough or your outer layer of socks. So it'll keep your feet dry inside of a, another layer of socks. Doesn't happen to work for me, but it is a really good system and a lot of people enjoy it. And this is along the whole line of this topic today, and that is, is find out what works for you. Do not hesitate to try many different variations. I know people that can wear winter weight socks all year round, and the cushion is perfect for them, and they're they're able to keep their, they have cold feet. Weirdos. Yeah, super weird. And their feet probably smell a lot, but it doesn't matter. It works for them, and that's the key to this whole topic today is find out what works for you and don't be afraid to try different things. I'm so glad that I that I took the step to try just a liner sock. I wear it in the winter, just a straight liner sock. My feet don't get cold. I never would have thought that would have worked. I wouldn't have known unless I tried. So hot tip number one, make sure you're trying 
every different variation you can. And there's nothing silly when you're trying to save your feet. That's that's my philosophy on the world. If if you're trying to prevent a blister, which is the worst, <laughs> the worst, uh, sometimes things that aren't that bad that just hit that right spot in your brain, blisters are those for me. Don't be afraid to be silly with what you're trying. But there is something silly. Like if clown shoes <laughs> make you not get blisters, <laughs> that's silly. That's a little silly. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't be that silly. But I was saying, but going on to shoes, and that is my next major point, is try different shoes. A lot of times I'll notice that the main problem people have is they, they get a pair of shoes and they want it to fit and and be almost more snug than it should be. Uh, especially with hiking and boots and stuff, you should have some extra room for your toes. People use that little trick where it's like, oh, I push on the end of the shoe and if my toe's not touching, it's it's you know good enough. No, you should have even a little bit more room than that, especially hiking up and down mountains or where you're coming downhill. As you're stepping, your feet are gonna slide into the front of your boot and you should really try different sizes of shoes and find out the ones that work for you and Hot tip number two is break shoes in before a long hike. Some shoes, I wear Solomon shoes, uh, and they tend to not really need broke in for me. Like I said, everybody's a little bit different, but it's good practice to hike or walk, you know, 40, 50 miles in a pair of shoes before you take them out for a nice long trek. And some people wear boots, you know, and boots aren't, uh, even though that's kind of a thing of the past and you don't see or hear many people talking about it because these trail runners are such a popular thing now, but there are boots out there and some people need that ankle support for a boot. So there's lots of reasons they're wearing those boots. Make sure that you wear them a few times. You break them in. One of the tricks that I, uh, in the army, we like to tell people is you dip them in water and then you wear them around without heavy work. That tends to soften the leather and help break them in and form them to your foot. Okay, It's a good little hot tip. Oh, hot tip from Christopher. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, you need to get in on these hot tips. Yeah, I don't get on them as often as you do. When you you get them, they feel good. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm a firm believer of, and and our listeners tend to be a little bit of the entry level. I'm a firm believer in starting starting with boots. And I've been talking a lot about shoes. uh, And I believe it is very important because if you're not used to doing outdoor activity, which I believe a lot of our viewers are starting, you know, if you're getting up off the couch and you're going to go outside, it's better to have that ankle support. It's better to have that traction. It's better to have the, the protection in the, in the toe box for kicking a rock and not stubbing your toe. It's really good to start with a boot. And then as you as you get better, I mean, shoes wear out. You're going to end up having to replace them eventually. And as you replace them, you can work your way towards that. I started with a boot. A lot of people do. And I do suggest that you do start that way. Yeah, but I started with a boot too. I tend to lean more towards like the Merrill uh-huh. is, a, is a brand I like to wear now. They're kind of a crossover between a boot and, and a hiking shoe kind of. They were one of the first to start to move that direction. I like to use those. They're a little bit more rugged. They have a little bit more tread. Mm-hmm. But one of the big pieces of advice that I give people when they're they're trying on shoes or boots for the outside I said imagine your feet throbbing not hurting but just pulsating with your heartbeat you did boop I said, that's how you want to think. So if they fit now and you're just sitting there and you're calm, you might want to think about another half size or another another size bigger because as you're hiking, you're pounding that blood and you're pounding that energy into that foot with every step. So you want to think about that. Think about your feet just pulsating and that's the size you want to get. It reminds me that the pulsating is such a familiar feeling for me with doing a long hike like we did. Your feet hurt after about week two, 
to the end. Well, after six months, I mean, they, they hurt the entire time. My feet hurt for like three or four weeks after we finished and stopped hiking. And it's that you're, you hit it nail on the head. It's the heart pulsating as your heart pounds and it pushes blood into there. Sharon and I did what we called elevation sensations. And we need to trademark that because it's very catchy. But all we would do is we would get into a place where we were taking a break and we would like get up against a tree and lay on our backs with our legs straight up the tree. And we leave our feet up in the air for you know, five minutes or something and let all the blood drain out of them because it would stop the pulsating and it would feel really good. And then when you let your feet back down, the blood would rush to your feet and they would get really warm. All right, the things that you do when you're through hiking may be a little bit strange, but that was one thing that we did. So, but it's a good point. You get that blood flowing. It, you're, you're, you may want to have a little bit more room in your shoes. Today's episode is brought to you by... Come see Kepper Chris. He's got all you need. A camping guru, outdoor buff, your expert on stuff. He's also camping out in social media. So come see Camper Chris. So do you have another tip there, Nate, for the next step? I'm kind of passing the baton really to you because this is something you have to had to deal with for a solid six months uh, with your hiking. So what what's another tip we can give? Here's a great thing to think about, and it, it goes back to the moisture side of it. When it comes to blisters, moisture can really be... Uh, the worst case scenario when your feet get wet. So a lot of people are going to gravitate towards waterproof. A lot of people are going to think, hey, I need something waterproof because I heard if my feet get wet, I'm going to get blisters. So yeah, you've got these shoes that fit you very well, but if you're getting water in there, you're going to end up getting blisters anyways. But here's the hesitation I have towards waterproof. If you're out for an extended hike, something that's going to be three, four days, or even just a weekend, where you're going to spend more than just one day in the woods, you may want to hesitate on waterproof because if it doesn't let water in, it also won't let water out. And you'll see a lot of people when they're doing multi-day hikes or week-longs gravitating towards boots that breathe, that have a mesh upper. Say what? Upper is the toe portion and up into the tongue of the shoe. It's the upper portion of the shoe and oftentimes is described on either being waterproof or mesh upper. So the upper portion of the shoe being mesh allows your foot to breathe and also when you're not wearing your shoes will allow them to evaporate some of that moisture. So my tip would be day hikes, go ahead and take your waterproof shoes. You're only out there for a day. Keep your feet as dry as you possibly can. Starting to do multiple day hikes, go ahead and get yourself a pair of shoes that will dry because no matter what they say, if it is waterproof, you spend enough time outside in a downpour, your feet are going to get wet. You need them to dry out. Well, and your feet sweat. There's water that comes up from the inside. You, maybe there are the, a few immaculate people out there with a genetic shift that their feet don't sweat at all. <laughs> Those uh, are the ones that wear the winter <laughs> socks all year long. There you yeah. go. There you go. But I, I mean, I don't think I have a feet sweating problem, but they do sweat on occasion, especially when I'm out walking through the woods or on a, on a hike, I do more than a mile. My feet are, they're, they're wet. So I want them to breathe, or at least for the most part, for me, that's important that I have a breathable shoe. Right. And that's where the downside to waterproof comes, because if it doesn't let water in, it doesn't let water out. So it's kind of, like I said, everything is trial and error with you in the system that you want to use. But waterproof is something that I kind of stay away from. And I like to use stuff that will breathe and allow it to dry out. 
Another tip that you can do, like you said, after you hike for a little while, your feet to start to sweat and they start to get a little wet, take a break. Take your shoes off. You would be so surprised how quickly your feet, because they're sweating, they're like, I don't know, 8 million degrees. That's somewhere around there, plus or minus a million degrees. You'll notice that as soon as you take your shoes off that they're just going to start to evaporate that moisture. And because your feet are so warm, they're going to start to dry out. 10 minutes with your shoes off, five minutes even maybe, your feet will dry significantly. Put your boots back on, continue hiking. Do this two or three times during the day while you're hiking, and you're going to cut down that, that blister factor significantly. Okay, I have a question. Before I ask this question, I'm going to disclaim one more time. We are not nurses. <laughs> we are not doctors. But we're going to give you our honest opinion and expert <laughs> advice for what we've done in the past. So my question, Nate, is this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To pop or not to pop? Do you pop that blister or do you not pop that blister? All right. Here is my school of thought. And that is a blister, if it's a very watery blister that's actually swelling and it's got a decent amount of size, it's a pop. If it's a blister that's more of an irritation and red and it hasn't actually filled with water yet, or at least not very much, you may consider not popping it. Main reason is I've seen a handful of infected blisters. Infected blisters can lead you to being in the hospital. Uh, They can be very, very bad. You can get infected blisters if you're popping your blisters and you're on a trail and you're sweating and you're walking through dirt and grime and stuff. So you want to hesitate popping them, but as soon as they get a little bulbous, that's a fun word, bulbous, a little bit full of water, liquid, then what I would suggest doing, a lot of your first aid kits, you would carry like a needle for sewing or a safety pin. If you have a lighter or matches that you would use for your fire, you're going to heat up the end of it, try to kill any of the bacteria there, and then just put a pinhole in the blister, allow just the drainage to drain out of the blister. Don't remove any of the skin. We're not looking to open the blister up in any way because we want to keep it sanitary, keep it from infection. Pop the blister, drain the liquid off of it, because that that bubble that it creates is going to keep it irritated because it's going to be pressing on your boot, and it's going to make the blister grow. And by doing that, getting it a little smaller, we can keep it from growing, but definitely clean. Clean it with clean water. You can use an alcohol wipe to clean it. And then where you've punctured it, put a Band-Aid back on it. If you've got some triple antibiotic, depending on what's in your first aid kit, keeping it clean is crucial. But I think the deciding factor is how big the blister is. Once it gets to a certain point, I'm really on the side of popping. I tend to err on the side of, am I stepping on it? So Ooh, that's a good thing. Yeah. if it's on the bottom or if it's on the side and I'm going to be stepping on it constantly, regardless, I tend, my habit is to get that popped. So then I wrap it with gauze or whatever. I carry a little bit of gauze in my uh, first aid kit. So I put gauze on it, knowing that it's going to drain further that way. And then I tape it. I take some of that duct tape, if that's all I have, or some some athletic tape or whatever I'm carrying on me on my first aid kit. And then I tape it up nice and tight. But it's for me, it's, am I going to step on it? Is it going to continue to irritate me and diminish even further the enjoyment? Or is if it's on top and I can live with it, I'll leave it and ride it out as much as I can. The nail on the head, boom. Hit the nail on the head. It is, is it going to continue to get irritated? If it's on the bottom, it almost doesn't matter what size it is. You're going to continue to rub on it. So, but if it's on the top of your foot and it's getting a little bit, you may not. And that, it leads you to a little bit of a, a product out there. A lot of people use moleskin. And I don't think a lot of people realize how to use moleskin, 
they'll just take a section of moleskin and cut it out and like stick it on their blister and be like, I put moleskin in between my blister and, and my shoe. Oftentimes, I guess, and this is, we are not doctors and not professionals, but I will use it by cutting a little circle out of the moleskin that when I put it over my blister, my blister is not actually being touched by the moleskin. The moleskin is around it. That allows the moleskin in my foot to be in contact with the shoe, and it gives a little buffer for the blister. But I always hesitate to use it without using some kind of, you said, a, a athletic tape or K-tape, something very sticky and adhesive to adhere it to your foot. Moleskin doesn't really stick very well, in my opinion. So I always kind of add that second layer. But back to your point, if it's on the bottom of your foot, there's really not a whole lot you can do. You might as well go ahead and and pop it. That's how I lean. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I agree with you on that one. Here's a little hot tip for today, and that is before you get out there hiking, clip your nails, clip your toenails. The blisters that I've got over the years, which as I've gotten better are less and less and less, but a lot of them are between two toes rubbing and maybe a nail rubbing on a toe. And if you can clip your nails before you go out hiking, you're going to really drop that factor even out of there. You're not going to end up getting those little blisters between your toes. So I have a piece of advice for, you know, there, there's going to be some listeners I know that we're talking to that they, they over hiked, they, they destroyed their feet. They're all gnarled up. Something's happened. There's a good book that I, that I've read out there that I've seen highly recommended. You can go, I, I have it on my store. If you want to go take a look at it, camperchris.com is where that store is, or you can get it on Amazon or whatever. But the name of the book is called Fixing Your Feet. And the author is John Von Hoff. And the book is fantastic. And it, it goes through so many different scenarios of whether it's blisters, whether it's a cut, whether it's a whatever it is, he goes through all of the dynamics and all the science that we don't necessarily talk about on this podcast. We have expert advice, but we're not doctors. <laughs> exactly. But but this book will give you even detailed advice on how to fix your feet. Uh, again, I say the title of the book is called Fixing Your Feet, and it's by John Von Hoff. And I recommend you look at that if, if You've gotten to the point that your feet need some correction and need some uh, repair and need some quote unquote fixing. That That's a good book and a good place to start. Awesome. I'll have to check it out because I've actually never read it either. After figuring out maybe what works for me, I get very little blisters, but I don't have a whole lot of knowledge on how to fix them. So I'll definitely want to check that out. So we'll leave you today with a quote. And that is blisters are braille for awesome. Thank you for listening. And until next time. Bye bye. If you like what you have heard today and you want to hear more from us about camping, hiking, and living the outdoor life, we ask that you subscribe to our podcast, share it with your friends, and help us to keep coming to you. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, you can do that on Facebook. Search Camp Hike Live Forum.